0: Welcome to Tectonic, episode number 35. This is a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology culture and the digital age. I'm your host, Joe Darnell, and with me is our guest, Mr. Tim Smith. How are you doing, Tim? Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming along for this episode. This is your first appearance on the show. Welcome. It is. I'm excited to be here. Now, the reason that we couldn't have Joshua again tonight is because he hardly got any kind of sleep last night. Uh, Tim, you're, you're in the same time zone or you're, you're one hour behind me. I'm in the Eastern standard time.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in central time here in uh here in the Midwest.
0: And, uh, jo- Joshua basically got three hours sleep last night. So he, man, he apologized a few minutes ago and said he just, he couldn't think straight. So, uh, we, we <laughs> feel for you, Joshua. Yeah, I've been there. We raise our glasses to you. And uh, yeah, so this means Tim, you get to talk twice as much because Joshua is always hogging the microphone.
1: I'm I'm looking forward to that. I, if it's anything that I like to do, it's talk.
0: You you don't talk enough lately. I've been seeing you have a podcast, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's lonely. It needs new fresh content. Yeah, that is true. Pretty hard. This podcasting gig is hard. It is finding fresh content.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: What's going on with that? I know this is I know this is off topic off outline.
1: <laughs> You're throwing me a curveball here, Joe. I don't know what to do.
0: We're throwing out the outline.
1: <laughs> Man, barely
0: two minutes in. Well, but I did raise the question. I, I should ask now, you know, you have a show. Uh, yeah. H- how's it going?
1: It's it's going well. Uh, as you know, doing a podcast is a lot of work. And uh, the type of podcast that I do, it has an interview component, but it also has this, this narrative that I try to create for the show as well. Okay. It's It involves a lot of work. It involves me. Uh, writing narration and editing that down and scoring the episode as well. I put music throughout. So back in September, I decided that I wanted to take a little break because I wasn't as ahead as I wanted to be in terms of um, shows that I had in the can to be able to release. But at this point, I, I have a lot, actually. I have about six episodes just ready. Oh. Um, so uh, so yeah, we we come back on December 15th. It'll be a lot of fun to to release these over the next few months.
0: Okay. What I like about your show, Tim, is you have a human interest story from one episode to the next, you interview the guests. And like you said, you edit the shows, you have some narration going on, you interweave it. So at one moment you're talking directly to the audience, then you turn in your chair and now you're talking to the interviewee. (laughs) And then the interviewee is talking to you, but then the next second he's talking to the audience and uh, I like it. It's, it's a good edit. I know that those kinds of shows take a heck of a lot more time to produce than something like Tectonic, you know, this is all improvisation here with an outline, but <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to fabricate the story. You kind of go into it knowing what you want, yeah. but then, then you take that interview and you have to cut it down to something that is a story. It's a human interest story angle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wrote my script for this show, but you went off outline, so I didn't know what to do.
0: Ah, just, uh, throw it out, man. <laughs> yeah. Are you want to start over the show? You want to go back to the beginning? Take it from the top? All right, yeah. Yeah. Let's just... we, we did rehearse it. I mean, it'd be a shame to go, let it go to waste
1: yeah uh, no, but it, it is a lot of fun it, It's a lot of fun to produce, but it's definitely a lot of work When I first launched the show, doing one every two weeks was a little bit over ambitious so I haven't exactly taken a decision on on whether I'll be going monthly or how exactly I'm going to be doing that but mm. uh, yeah I, I think I think the schedule needs to change a little bit because uh unfortunately producing that podcast is not all I do.
0: I think you could manage to do something like a season's worth light like yeah. television and good television, you know, 24 episodes a year or something right. like that. Right, right, We'd be satisfied. Yeah. That'd, that'd be enough to chew on. <laughs> Produce some reruns. Just release reruns. Yes. The other weeks of the year.
1: Yes. Yes. That's what I will do. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, besides podcasting, you actually have a professional life. You have a day job. Yeah. What is that?
1: Uh, currently, I, I work as a uh, designer and front-end developer for a great company out in Canada. And that's what I do as my day job.
0: Okay. Now, how long have you been interested in the web and design?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I I studied design in college in 2006, around there. Okay. I started in print design. You could say I majored in graphic communications and I minored in uh, radio and television. A lot of the web development stuff is... Is mostly self-taught, actually, uh, because, again, my, my official training was in print design. So a lot, of the, a lot of the work that I do now is because I've figured it out along the way. I've done a lot of video tutorials, bought a lot of books. That's how I've learned.
0: But that's the way that the best web work has been produced. <laughs> I uh, When I check out one of these courses online and it's from a, a web developer or the like, and he wants to show you everything, yeah. the master course in UX design. Yeah. And it says he has 25 years of experience. Yeah, You know, the guy wasn't a UX designer 25 years ago. Yeah, But uh, yeah, he taught himself over the years. And while the industry was growing around him, he figured these things out and a compounded interest in different niches with different skill sets. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, like you pointed out, you came from the print world. Yeah, I, I kind of have a background in print, a background in video, a background in in graphic design, and the whole package just uh, yeah, it's a melting pot. There's a lot of crossover, and cumulatively, I could say I'm a designer of many things for 15 plus years now. So. And know what that's like I know what it's like to self teach pick up the things from a good book or a good tutorial i've even been drawn to some online video course making myself I just haven't found the right thing to teach yet
1: yeah I think personally it's something that has always stuck in, in into my head is that if you have if you have good taste or uh anything anything can be taught i think in in, in my life. And I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but I, I feel like I've I've been blessed with with a certain type of taste so that I knew even when the work that I was doing was completely horrible and, and really was terrible, I knew that it wasn't good.
0: Yeah, that awareness goes a long way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like people who are self taught just need to have that. They need to know when their work is just terrible. And that really, really helps improve.
0: So, so do you feel very confident in your skill set at this point? I, I, when I look at your work, when I've seen some of the things that you have designed, websites that you've developed, I, I just have to say I'm impressed. It looks like the work of a, an older, more mature, experienced designer and web developer. Like you were mentioning earlier, you're in your early 20s. Yeah. And I wouldn't have expected that.
1: Um, yeah, I'm very confident in my skill set because even though I, I'm young in age, I've been working in this industry for six, seven years now. I'm definitely not fresh out of school. At this point, I feel uh, confident in what, what I can do. And I've made the mistakes that have really helped me learn to do things better.
0: Now, when you say the mistakes, you mean like uh, you know, like experimentation on your own projects. How do you feel that mistakes worked out along the way? Were you trying to develop things and had to rewrite them for clients? You know, what, what does a mistake yeah. look like to you?
1: I think a mistake is a mistake, you know. It, I it, like it. it <laughs> it's a poorly
0: it's, written code without the period at Yeah, the
1: end. <laughs> it's like I think mistakes, whether in your professional career or where, whether they're in life, they always help you learn something new if if that's the attitude that you want to take. In my professional career, uh, there have been mistakes that I've made with clients, not managing them well, not dealing with them well. I've made mistakes in terms of. Uh, design decisions that I've made that later turn out to be horrible. Um, I know I can, <laughs> unfortunately, I can give you the names of of several designs that I've made where later I look back and I think that choice of typeface wasn't correct or the size that I chose for for type wasn't correct. All those little mistakes that teach you a lot along the way.
0: Well, thankfully you haven't made too many mistakes because I haven't spotted them. And uh, <laughs> what you got going on with the web right now is all working. It's all coherent, it's readable. I like the size of the fonts. I like the textures, I like the colors. And, and you got some good graphics work going on too. In particular, I'm thinking about your own website. Uh, it's a very simple page. It kind of looks like an expanded business card. <laughs> I liked it a few months ago. you redesigned it not too long ago. You made it simpler and cleaner Yeah. and it's it's all good stuff. But you also have the website for towermedia.org, which would be a good example of your work. And just the little details along the way, the the sizing of everything—it's so proportionate. And when you use color to uh, define sections of your page, so I can quickly recognize there's something new in this section. This is a different section. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness you put into your design because not only does it look great. It also helps make it so navigatable. Yeah. Navigatable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a word.
0: And yeah, I, I, love, I love what I'm seeing there. But, but you didn't just uh, produce stuff for yourself and uh, you got your clients. But uh, reason, one of the reasons that I find your work interesting is because you've done work behind the scenes for various podcast networks. Yeah. You did the development for goodstuff.fm and uh, for your own towermedia.org yep. as well as relay.fm.
1: Yeah. I wrote the um well I I helped write the the CMS for good stuff relay as well as tower. Me and a developer a friend of mine Will Duffy we we worked together on a on a CMS that I really wanted to work on. It kind of came out of the fact that we wanted to create good stuff with Adam Clark and Chris Ends at the beginning and we needed something better than wordpress that's that's basically what it came down to. Our choice was between WordPress and nothing at the time, and I thought you know i've tried I've tried to expand wordpress to to make it work in this situation, and it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It looks terrible. It doesn't work the right way. it doesn't work the way that I want it
0: to Can I just say that I completely feel for you? yeah, I have a love hate relationship with WordPress. <laughs> it's mostly hate at this point, yeah. It's confusing because there's wordpress.com and versus.org. Yeah. You, there has to be um, back versioning support. Then there's all the plugins and you can't really trust half of them. Yeah. So then you have to rely on the the community to tell you what is, wor- you know, worthy of your time and, you know, your resources. Yeah. It gets hairy.
1: Yeah, it does. That was the problem with, uh, that we were having with WordPress, that it, it just... I don't mean to knock WordPress
0: because it's it's a great system. Yeah, but it's kind of like Adobe Flash. I mean, like, yeah, it's a great system, but it's not always going to work.
1: Exactly. That's the reality with any tool, right? There are times where you don't want to use a certain tool because it just doesn't fit the application that it needs to. And I think that that was the case with WordPress. So it, what I ended up doing is I wanted to really learn Ruby on Rails. Um, so I hired a developer and we worked on it together. We worked on a podcast, CMS. I learned Rails and I, I created... A CMS that I'm very proud of. You can easily manage a network of shows. And I guess I'm fortunate enough that good stuff uses it as well as Relay FM, which I mean, there there's no question that Relay is just one of the greatest tech networks out there right now. So
0: Yeah. How long did it take you to build such a CMS? Was this like an ongoing process that you continue to build today?
1: Yeah. I mean, I continue to work on it, but I don't work on it. I, I don't work on the CMS and then push out those updates to to these people because at this point when when I accepted my full-time job, I just ended all of that, and I said, you know if if you want to do more to it, you you handle it. It's all yours
0: wow that 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 must have been difficult to cut the cord from your baby. I mean it's, yeah, that, that's the way I feel about a lot of my work. It's like, oh, man, if it's my baby, I'm not going to yeah, but I've got a wife and kids.
1: Yeah, it can be difficult, but I I think in the end it was the best decision because each network knows what they need to do, what they want, and oftentimes, you know, I just I don't have the time to always be helping them with new features that they want. And and for the most part, I've built the structure that they need. Um at this point it's it's usually just little features here and there that they need just for their network.
0: Mm. So do you have some of your things on GitHub or elsewhere where other developers can access some of your work?
1: Yeah, I'm on GitHub, github github.com slash Smith. They they can see my open source projects. My podcasting CMS is not open source because at one point I, I was selling it. I'm still technically selling it, but I'm not actively marketing it.
0: No, I didn't think so. I didn't see it on your main website. Well, so most of your time then socially is spent on Twitter, then you have the jobby job from eight to five, and then <laughs> you go home and spend time with the wife. When do you find time to podcast and to think about the future, radio and talk shows and uh, in production? You squeeze it in on the weekends and yeah. between 5 a.m. and 8 a.m.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think weekends and evenings like this, you know, the first two episodes that, that w- we made as for the record. Were produced by my wife she she actually helped with a lot of the production she helped me go through edits she helped me score uh, some of the episodes um, she transcribed both episodes so in a certain way it's it's been a good thing for us to actually do together
0: mm. now before you got into tower media for your own show for for the record you had some work that you did for good stuff and you also made some appearances elsewhere what other shows have you had a hand in?
1: Huh, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, let's see.
0: You got a history. Yeah. Put this together on IMDb. <laughs> I know. It's got to be listed.
1: It's got to be on my Wikipedia page somewhere, huh? Yeah. Let's see. I, I was a co-host of the intellectual radio program. I started Bite Size, which was a design and uh, development. development news show that was then later co-hosted by Kyle Roderick. I did Nut with Paul Armstrong at one point. I did the swing, the radio column. I kind of helped produce or helped start transmission with Kyle Roderick and and Kenny Roderick on on good stuff. I started for the record, and I think I want to say that that's it.
0: Wow, long list. That's that's a lot of shows in a very short span of time. Yeah. Now, how do you feel this segues into the, your next chapter with Tower Media? You have All this history behind you, different topics, different kinds of shows where you have reviewed things, you've reviewed shows, uh, actual other kinds of media. You have talked about career choices. You've talked about industry. You've talked about the web and code development and design. You've dabbled with many things. And now you have redirected your attention, your focus down to human interest stories at towermedia.org. How did it all come to a head? where you wanted to focus like laser focus or energy into this sort of this narrative podcasting?
1: I think it came because I was tired of talking about fluff
0: for the most part. Like we do here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, not necessarily. But I mean, for example, let, let me, let me give you an example. Um, the East wing was a great show for me. I, I loved doing that show where I, where I interviewed designers, entrepreneurs, developers on, on their work. I got to know some really great people. But at the end of the day, I didn't really feel like I knew that person. I didn't feel like I had told a story about them that wasn't already out there. And I felt, uh, I felt like there was something missing. That's why I wanted to do For the Record because to me, For the Record is a show about people and not their work. Even though most of them, In fact, all of them are successful in one way or another, according to me, because I guess for you to be on the show, I'm defining (laughs) what success is, you know, to a certain degree. That's so arrogant. But (laughs) but yeah, I I think for me, it was more telling these stories of people, of of people that you probably knew, maybe others that you didn't know, because their stories are relatable. The struggles that they've had are relatable. Sometimes the problems, the mistakes, the failures, the regrets that they have, are relatable, and I think that's what actually makes us. Uh, I think we 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 give too much emphasis or importance to our work, and sometimes we allow our work to be our identity. And I don't believe that to be true.
0: Wow. Well, see, that's pretty deep, right there. I could return to that all day long. That that that's something that's uh, resonated with me because few times in the last uh, 10 years, I've wrestled with that experience being super deep into a project and feeling like it, it's no, no longer am I in my control of the project. It's kind of taking control of me. And every now and then you, you come up for air and you've spent some late nights at the office. Maybe you, you actually slept at the office. And <laughs> I did this a few times and it was because I had lots of video work where there was a lot of compressing and rendering to be done. And it would take hours just to render things for those old fashioned Mac pro towers. And th- this was when they were, um, they were older and, and uh, you know, things are far more state of the art now in just a short span of time, they've gotten so much better. But at the time you, I'd be producing these videos, it would be like an hour long or more. And, uh, I felt like yeah, I was losing my sense of identity sometimes. (laughs) Like you're becoming a part of the machine. You are the cog in the machine. Now, now you're not even, you're not even the monkey that's working on the machine. You're in the machine. You're you're of the machine. Yeah. Really bothers me. Yeah. So I I can see, I can see what you're saying there. And that is something that I'm finding hard not to let podcasting do, do that to me or graphic design. Um, it's sometimes it it creates a lot of contention when you're yeah. working with other teams and other people, and I, I think that you're turning your attention away from the microphone and onto the person on the other side. That's a great idea. That's that's really smooth. Um, some of my earlier podcasts, I tried to do them with people in person, yeah, as much as possible if if I had that option. I think the quality of maintaining the human relationship helps those shows further along. That it, that it has it has a huge impact. Skype being in between you and me makes this much more difficult because we can't see each other. Yeah. Well, okay. So moving further along a bit, then I wanted to get into our main discussion, but I wanted to flesh out the fact that you are this guy who's been thinking about this for a good long time. You have all this human experience and also technical experience. You've, you've been masterminding and what, what you're doing with for the record is reminiscent of traditional, professional, NPR-style human interest storytelling. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to pick your brain about radio and audio media at large. So for Tectonic, every now and then, we like to look at the bigger picture here. But also, in looking at it on the macro level and the micro level, there's ways in which these mediums, like podcasting, video content online, streaming, downloading media, all the like, have directly influenced our lives, but also in ways that there's ways which we would like to see the future of radio to go, or we'd like to see the future of podcasting to go. And we've seen a few ripples where there's been some good moves on the part of public radio or podcasters in general, the networks where you're seeing um, some ups and downs and different activity from the community and listeners in general. So I wanted to pick your brain about our human experience about with all all these mediums and discuss what we would like to see for the future of talk radio and the like. Tim, you're the guy. Yeah, this is where it all starts. Sure. Okay. So I noticed a while back that Tim, you were referring to yourself in one of your simple bios online. You refer to yourself as an aspiring podcast producer. Yeah. And then you got away from that and you called yourself an aspiring radio producer. Yeah. The reason I wanted to mention this was because I think there is a contention around the name podcasting itself. Mm. It just sounds flippant. It sounds <laughs> hostilely nerdy and unrelatable. Yeah. Was it for that kind of reason that you didn't want to be associated with podcasting or was there something else to it? Not
1: at all. I think, I think for me, it's that my aspirations in terms of producing audio reach beyond just podcast form I would love to produce a radio show I would love to help produce a radio show I mean that that would be awesome I would love to host a radio show but you know even when you say it I I almost think that that's probably still not the right still not the right name maybe it should be like just aspiring audio producer you know because I I I'm willing to do whatever type of audio.
0: But but when you say it like aspiring audio producer. Yeah. It sounds like you want to be a technician who <laughs> uh, you know puts finesse on audio for big blockbuster movies at Universal Studios. Right. Yeah. Th- there's not a good word for it.
1: I think that's the problem, you know. We're we're going through this tectonic shift where did I use that right, by the way? You did. I did, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, good job.
1: I wanted to include a pun in there, but I I, <laughs> I didn't know how to include it. I feel that we're going through this shift where radio is not what it used to be and podcasting is not what it used to be. Mm. There are people who are coming from radio who want to produce now podcasts. And there are people that have been producing podcasts that now want to you know produce what what they think is radio. And because of that, there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of what the heck this is called, hmm. right? Because all we know is that it's interest, interesting audio content, but what the name of it is, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very confused because what we're really describing are two mediums. One which was based on the good old-fashioned radio towers, where you get a signal, goes to the radio, and it's very ephemeral. It's there, then it's gone again. And if you wanted a copy of it, you needed a recorder, like a cassette tape or another kind of deck. Yeah. And so what you had to do was you had to get on the schedule of the radio. (laughs) You had to follow, you had to follow their routine. And if you wanted to listen to those awesome, interesting, fun people, those fun loving people in the morning, the morning talk show on the way to work, you, you had to, you know, plan on being on the road again in your car when they were talking. Yeah. And then over time. I think what's happened, sadly, is that so much about the networks have been gummed up by by the industry demands, like they need to make more advertising revenue, so they introduce more ad- sponsors, more ads, and you get less and less of the content, and more and more of these sensational radio ads, which bog down the programming and make it very difficult for you to appreciate the overall experience. Now, th- that's all very professional, and that's what you got to do to make money. And that's what you got to do to support these, these radio stations. But I found over the years, I just have a hard time listening to traditional radio because for every half hour of programming, nine minutes or more are commercials. <laughs> and most of the time I just wasn't into the commercials. Yeah. So, so then if it was one of the, uh, the great talk shows that would have the, like some fun, loving personalities, then sadly enough, when they would play some music, it was like the top 40 pop songs. And it was yeah. like, oh, this is grating on my ears. Something <laughs> is r- wrong here. And, and this homogenized media became like, everything is watered down to the most general audience. Yeah. And we expect the most popular media to work on everyone. Yeah. And that was an experience that waned for me very quickly. But but it was something I, I grew up with. Now, that's how my parents would listen to the radio. Yeah. And then that's what I was doing when I got married. That was when I got on my own and when I was going to work every day, I was listening to talk radio and I enjoyed the personalities.
1: Yeah. I think you go through you go through different stages of of what you want to listen to, what draws your attention. Because I think right now and, and for the past maybe couple of years. Narrative radio has been something that is up and coming in terms of podcasts. So you've got your shows like This American Life, Startup, you know, basically everything that Gimlet does. Welcome to Macintosh. These shows are are doing this narrative type of of radio of, of audio, and it's really interesting. And I, I think you know, back when I got into podcasts, which was in two thousand nine, and I, I started listening to Five by Five, my interest was listening to two people talk on a microphone. And and that was the radio that I was accustomed to. I mean, I, I was a big fan of of a morning program back in San Diego where I used to live, the Jeff and Cher showgram. And and it was it was great. I loved it. I loved waking up to those people. Mm. And and when I started listening to podcasts, that that's the type of show that I was looking for and I found it. I mean, back then I was a huge fan of Back to Work and and Build and Analyze and Hypercritical. And those were the shows that I, I really loved listening to. And over time, it's changed. Where those shows don't interest me anymore, and I I don't. I'm I'm not saying that as a criticism of those people. It's just that I think that over time your interests just change. And the the type of audio that I'm I'm really interested in now is our shows like like I mentioned before. Um, you know everything from Gimlet and uh, This American Life and Welcome to Macintosh and Song Exploder. Those are the shows that are really interesting to me right now. But who knows whether a couple of years from now, we'll be talking about the next big evolution in in audio and in the consumption of audio.
0: Hmm. In terms of radio versus podcasts, would you say that you still listen to radio or is it mostly podcasts or is it really an unfair comparison because some of the podcasts you listen to start out their lives as radio programs?
1: No, I mean, I, I still listen to the radio, um, much to my wife's dismay. I, I love listening to NPR here in here in Minnesota, Minnesota public radio. I listen to NPR when I'm when I'm in the car. Sometimes that's kind of my go to for news. But I, I yeah, so I still listen to traditional radio. But if there's something that I've got in my in my overcast queue, I'm probably listening to a podcast.
0: Then what about
1: music? Uh, music is usually
0: during the day. Is this Something to listen while you work.
1: Yeah, I so I'm one of those weird people that I listen to podcasts while I work. Uh but there are other times when I've kind of just gotten sick of uh of podcasts and I just want to listen to some music. So in that situation what I'll usually do is I'll I'll either listen to Song Exploder or, you know, some some archives of Song Exploder of songs that I really like or listen to music. I've recently moved to Spotify which You know, rest in peace, RDO.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we could talk about that for another show. I really, (laughs) I miss RDO already. Yeah, me too. I got onto the Apple Music bandwagon when it became new. Yeah, me too. I'm really regretting it. Yeah. That's another story for another time. But Tim, Tim.
1: It was a rough three-month trial, man.
0: This is an ongoing trial. My trial has (laughs) not ended. That's funny. Well, what's interesting to me is that your experience with audio programming with radio and podcasting talk shows narratives and music is somewhat like the mirror opposite image of what i'm going through because for years all i wanted was music i wanted lots of playlists i wanted mixed tapes i would listen to them over and over again in the car uh, and on my ipod and while at home then what occurred to me was i was like disconnected from the news. So then I segued into talk radio, and when I got burned out on that, I moved on to more sophisticated programming on NPR. But after a while, trying to keep up with their schedules or routines and actually appreciate, like, did I get all of the story? Did did I get all of that news report? I I started, you know, testing the waters with podcasts on iTunes because they were just there when I was sitting at the computer and I've realized, Hey, I can listen to this on my own time. I can listen to this on my own schedule. This is brilliant. Yeah. And there would be ads, but there would be fewer of them. That's a different characteristic about the medium because they have the, so few in the, in the way of costs. They don't need as many sponsors. It's not a huge production like it is for radio. And I, I got into it fairly quickly because Hey, look at that. I can, I could even speed this thing up. I can <laughs> listen to this hour and a half long program in 60 minutes if I want to. Yeah. And oh, I can skip over a part that doesn't especially interest me.
1: Yeah.
0: And so that kind of flexibility with podcasts really pulled me in and it was good shows like this American life and radiotopias, other programs like the uh, uh, 99% invisible and radio lab they really caught my attention because they were well-written. They had these engaging personalities. And because they were topical, there was always something fresh to discuss and to think about. And I I would have an anecdote to share later with my friends. Yeah.
1: And you see that right there? You wouldn't be able to do that on live radio.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And so what I found was then with time, I got to the, the peak where... The topics were not, not were not enough. What I was really interested in became the personalities. Yeah, and I wanted to know more about the personalities, but because they were topic driven shows, I saw less of them than I would in a talk show format. Yeah, and so with time, podcasts that had more to do with the personalities behind the microphone and letting them engage each other were were, the, were those moments where they they have a guard down and they go off topic. Yeah, they attracted me. So these days, I listen to them. Oftentimes, because they're they're kind of like my internet friends. Right. They're the people I can listen to uh, and feel comfortable around because I've heard them a hundred times and I've heard them talk for hours on end. I know everything about them, their wife and kids, and <laughs> where they where they live and what their aspiration and dreams are. Yeah, and so it, it feels like returning to the water cooler. It feels like a very comfortable space.
1: Shows like that are are really are really dogged on these days, right? Because everybody's like, ah. Oh. I don't want to hear two people on a mic. No, <laughs> but I think I think that's a shame because my honest belief is that there's space for all of these type of shows. Absolutely, I think that there's space for talk shows. There's space for panel shows. There's space for game shows. These more narrative shows. There's space for game shows. Uh, radio dramas.
0: There, there's some great radio dramas.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's space for a lot of that, and and even things that maybe we haven't explored to do in, in audio form, I, I think that there's something great and, and something to appreciate in all of them.
0: So when it comes down to the mediums, even though we don't like the names like radio versus podcasting or internet radio, right. I kind of feel like you can tear down those walls and just say, look, what are you interested in? What kind of recommendations can we give people? Like, <laughs> yeah. well, we recommend that you find something that works for you. Yeah. You know, I have some friends that are coffee roasters, so they spend a lot of time at the roaster with nothing to listen to. Yeah. And it's in a somewhat noisy environment, but because they have nothing to think about while they're at work, they can they can listen to something. Yeah. Top brew. So so what they would do is uh, sometimes they turn on the radio because their familiar those familiar uh, conversational talk show hosts are on this afternoon. And so that's what they listen to. They listen to the radio. It's not radio versus podcasts. Yeah. Later later in the day, they'll have their their wireless Bluetooth headphones on and they'll listen to that podcast that they started yesterday and, and keep going.
1: Yeah. And since they're interested in coffee, they would listen to Top Brew, right?
0: Of course. Why, why, why not? (laughs) Yeah. Is this a debate? No. No, not at all. (laughs) So, So as far as like the, the differences between traditional and modern day radio, I feel like we're making the same conclusion that a lot of the podcasters have made. And that is, it's not one or the other. I think that there's like, there's no contest here. We're all friends here. Radio has its place even if we would like it to be honed and refined a little bit or with age, yeah. it seems like it's um it's going through a difficult uh, i don't know like it's past its it feels like maybe radio is past its glory days, but it doesn't mean that it it cannot have its second wind
1: right and i and I think you know there there are people that are coming from traditional media that that are going to try to impose the same type of rules that you've got in traditional media on, on podcasts.
0: Right. Well, think about ebooks and old fashioned book books. <laughs> right, paper books. Right. Yeah. You know, paper books aren't replaced by digital books. Right. There's space for both. Yeah. And there really there really is not a contest when the same book can be made available in both formats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think what what's important and and what I even when I don't particularly agree with something that another podcaster or another network is doing doesn't mean that i view them as competition it doesn't mean that i view them in a negative light you know and i, I think that that's something that maybe podcasters should keep in mind that sometimes it's it's really easy to uh just kind of blame the the bigger boats you know oh yeah and i think it's important not to do that to to just be aware that with all the potential listeners that we could have there's a big enough niche for for all of us,
0: yeah, it's not Serial's fault, guys. It's not Serial's fault. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and the the reality is that uh if you create a really great show, uh, there will always be people people to listen. I mean, I, I don't guarantee you a hundred thousand listeners or or even more than that, but there will always be people that will listen because there there's something great about the type of audio that we're creating now that is c- purely on demand Uh instead of. There are no longer being space in the schedule, like you mentioned earlier. There's no such thing as that. Uh, you can have as many podcast subscriptions as you want.
0: Well, then I just have one last question for you. How do you feel about Apple's music's uh, Beats 1? You know, how, how do you feel about it?
1: Um, I'll be completely honest with you. I have not listened to Beats 1 once. Really? I'm 100% serious. Why not even once?
0: I mean, like, when it was new... It just
1: did not attract me at all. It, really? I, it, it, and I don't mean that as a negative thing. I just mean it like, it was never a thing that I said, let's see what this is about today. I just never had curiosity.
0: Right. Uh, not, I mean, like, you saw the promotions. You, you heard about it on the blogs. Oh, yeah. And did you read any reviews just to see what other people's impressions were? Nope. Really? No.
1: Not at all. And the thing is, when I saw this on, on the outline, I wanted to go look at it <laughs> to know what, to know what to say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought maybe it'll be better if I don't. And I'm just honest and say, I've never looked at it ever.
0: Yeah. I, I can see why <laughs> the, the, it hasn't arisen because you, you you were using audio for your music tastes.
1: Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I. I did three months with Apple Music, and it didn't
0: even know.
1: I mean, it was it was literally a prison sentence—three months of Apple Music. That's what we sentenced you to.
0: Okay, well then, how about the other algorithmically based radio stations you can use in Apple's music player,
1: like like the For You, or what do you mean?
0: Where you just say, "I feel like listening to some hip hop," or "I I want to listen to some techno." Uh, Just the Apple, give me something.
1: I don't use that. Never I, I never okay. use that on RDO either. I, I never use like their station.
0: They call them stations, but they're really just, yeah, they're right. just algorithmic. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You see, in, in my opinion, I feel like her, the, the company that does that the best is Pandora. I don't see another company that does algorithmic music listening better than Pandora, but that's the way I see it. Hmm. On, on top of that, you have your human curated playlists, right? Which to me is the best. That was my favorite feature of Apple Music. If I could get over how terrible their interface is, <laughs> yeah. I would. I would stay with Apple Music just for their human curated playlists because they're they're excellent. They're excellent. I I discovered so much music in the three months that I used Apple Music. For. Interesting point. So much.
0: Yeah, and that's where I am right now. I, I've gotten to this point where. I am annoyed by some massive buggy problems with Apple Music and how it's it's, in, it's endangering my local iTunes library. But when I open the app, I can quickly find anything that I want with a search of Apple Music online or with those playlists. They're, they're, they have some great recommendations. I, I have to agree. I've found a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Well, this is a story that's going to continue to unfold. <laughs> I would like to talk to you more about players like these at a later date. Sure, I'd love that. All right, well, this will wrap it for this episode. Thanks, Tim. Great conversation. Thank you.
1: Uh, should I disclose that I own Pandora stock? I don't know.
0: Uh, Yeah, you can say that. I own Pandora stock. You own Pandora, okay. Yeah. I'm going to make a note of that.
1: I only own like four shares. Oh, okay. It's not a big deal. The thing is that I bought it because I do believe what I just said about them. I thought I think they're the best. Pandora was... Was the gateway drug for me getting into music streaming at all? I worked at the college radio station, and then after that, I worked at the college in in a computer lab, and I would just put on music through Pandora, and that was I was like amazed, like oh my goodness, I can listen to whatever music I want to, and I can pick the station, and I only have to listen to on demand. Yeah, I only have to listen to an ad every once in a while. It's, this is not bad. Uh, and then after that, my heart went to RDO, and then it was broken and. <laughs> But that, that's for another show, I guess. Mm.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Tim. This is going to wrap it up for episode 35 of Tectonic. If you would like to see more of anything we mentioned in this episode, the show notes and links are at tectonic.fm slash 35. Follow the show on Twitter at tectonic.fm if you want to keep tabs on uh, new releases and special announcements. And if you have something lengthy that you want to tell us, send an email to hello at tectonic.fm. You can always find me on Twitter. I am underscore Joe Darnell. My co-host Joshua is Joshua Pfeiffer on Twitter. And our guest Tim is at T Tim Smith. So that's two T's at the beginning. Lastly, I want to say a huge thanks to the handful of listeners that have gone to iTunes and star rated the show. If you haven't already done so, Google Tectonic on iTunes to quickly find us and drop us a review. Lots of time goes into producing this podcast, believe it or not. And it would make my day if you want to go there and drop us some feedback that I can read. As always, I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic.